Good morning. Thank you for joining us for this Friday edition of Face the Truth, the weekday podcast of the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. As always, I count it a great honor to have you listening, and I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. It is hard to believe it's May already, although in some ways it seemed April would never end. What a year it has been already. January had 31 days. Uh, February, because of leap year, had 29 days. And because of the coronavirus, April had 463 days. At least that's how it felt to me. Now, at the time of this recording, I still do not yet know exactly how the latest statement from our governor is going to affect us as a church going forward. Uh, I do know that the county has said they too were extending their orders through May 10th. Now again, I'm not sure what this means for our ability to have church. I wish I had more information to give you right now. Unfortunately, I don't. I do hope to have a more thorough understanding by this weekend So be sure you listen to our live stream both Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I will do my best to keep you updated. Also, I want to make you aware of a bit of a schedule change for me personally. Monday morning at 5 a.m., Brother Jesse Stewart and I will be conducting leadership training via the internet for a number of pastors in Africa who have come to the truth. These sessions will last until noon, and we'll be doing the same thing during that same time frame on Tuesday as well. What this means is that I'll be getting up around 3 a.m. both mornings so that I'll have time to pray and prepare. Uh, I will then be unavailable until we finish. I'll not be able to take phone calls or respond to text messages during this time. So if you need something, please contact one of the ministers in the church. Also, because of this tenuous schedule, I'll be trying to go to bed much earlier on Sunday night and Monday night. I know that you all understand. Just treat it as if I'm in Africa. The good thing is it will only be two days instead of two weeks. Brother Jared Hilton has agreed to do our podcast for those two days, so it will still be available each morning at around 9 a.m. I do ask that you be in prayer for Brother Stewart and me and for the pastors that are participating. Now, yesterday, I explained that I was taking a two-day break from our Bible question and answer format to play for you an interview in which my late pastor's daughter asked me questions about her parents. Because the interview lasted over an hour, I chose to break it up into two parts. If you have not listened to yesterday's podcast, you will want to do that before listening to today's. For those who did hear part one, I invite you to listen to the conclusion of this discussion I had with Sister Terry Mills, daughter of my pastor, Elder James Davis. In today's episode, we will finish a question Sister Mills asked about what notable miracles I had seen in my lifetime. I had already shared a few that I saw under Elder Davis's ministry and then began talking about some I've seen in my own ministry. For time's sake, we had cut the conversation off right after I told about having seen a woman raised from the dead. 
and we'll pick up with the conversation at that point. I've seen God raise the dead. We've also, uh, a young lady, right when I came to take the church, there was a young lady, um, same age as my youngest daughter. I think she was about seven or eight at the time, and she was having seizures, multiple seizures a day, uh, to the point that um, the the, uh, teachers had told her parents that we're going to have to put this girl in special education. She'll never amount to anything. Her seizures are so bad. Medication is not helping. And and there's no way we can teach her anything. And one night during service, in fact, your brother, uh, Brother Robert Davis, was there preaching for me that night. And he had preached on faith. I wonder where he got that, you know. <laughs> we <laughs> yes, all learned sir. it from your dad. Uh, oh, but he yes. was preaching on faith that night. And he made a statement uh, something to the effect of, you know, uh, God always tells the truth. And when you doubt that he's going to honor his word, you're calling God a liar. And it's, it just struck with the mom of that girl that was having seizures. And, and so when, when the time came, she got her little girl and came down to the front. We anointed her with oil, prayed for her. The Holy Ghost moved. When they went home that night, the mama got out the, the uh, medication for the seizures and went to give it to, the, to her daughter. And, and her daughter said, Mom, I don't need that. Jesus healed me. I'm not taking any more of that. And the mom told us later, she said, I I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to destroy her faith, but I thought, you know, I I sure don't want to see her have a seizure again. And and so she said, I began to question her and she said, no, mom, Jesus healed me. And so her mom took that medication and dumped it down the toilet, flushed it away. That's been 24 years ago. That girl graduated valedictorian of her class. She became our piano player. God healed her. She's never had another seizure. So I've I've seen some phenomenal miracles, both under your dad and then later on um, in my own ministry. Yes, sir. If, If Elder Davis was still alive today, what do you think he would say to this generation? Mm, You know, (laughs) knowing your dad, uh, in this regard, he was, he was like the Lord. He changed not. So I got a feeling he would probably say the same thing to this generation that he said to our generation. I, I think, I think there are probably three things that the elder would stress because these are the three things that stand out to me that he stressed to us. And number one was prayer. You got to have a prayer life. You're just not going to make it if you don't pray. And I think he would be stressing that to them. I think that he would he would stress holiness to them. Um, You know, it's still right. It's still in order for the people of God to live a separated life. And and that was a, a hallmark of Elder Davis's ministry. And I believe it it would be today. And the third thing is faith. You know, because he he had such faith. It was just I was I was thinking about it, praying about it. Um, I think it was this morning as I was praying. It was just like he just expected that when he prayed a prayer, God was going to answer it. It, it, He just expected it to happen. There was no question in his mind. It wasn't what if God doesn't. He just knew it would. And and I think he would stress having that kind of faith. You know, it's, and I don't mean to get preachy here and you can stop me anytime <laughs> that I get too, right. far off, too far off in this, but, but, you know, it's interesting to me that Jesus made the statement when the son of man cometh, will he find faith in the earth? Yeah. 
seems like to me that was a huge concern that we would reach a place that we would become so self-sufficient that we just didn't need him anymore or we didn't believe him anymore. And I, I do believe that Elder Davis today would be stressing faith to this generation, just like he did to ours. Yes, sir. I believe that. Uh, Do you remember some of the messages Elder Davis used to preach? Is there anyone in particular that you remember the most? Oh, yes. The Moabite on your back. That that message was, oh, it was, I've tried to, I was trying to tell somebody about it the other day. Now on our website, I think, you know, we've devoted a whole page on our church website just to his memory. And I've got some of his sermons there. Um, And the copy of that message, we've got a copy of him preaching that message, which it was one of his signature messages that he preached all over the United States. Uh, And and I really wish we had a better quality copy than what I've got on my website. But I was trying to explain to somebody the other day that message was perhaps the most convicting and soul-searching message I've ever heard. Because in it, the elder he wasn't just preaching. He was he was speaking from the depths of his own hurt. He was, yes, he was. he was exposing his innermost being to everybody. He was making himself so vulnerable in that moment and preaching yes. about how the mistakes that you make in your life can haunt you. And he talked about, I hope you don't mind me saying, and of course you all can cut this out later, but, but he talked about his, his first marriage and, and his wife being murdered. And he said, the thing that haunted him even to that day was that he knew the truth and didn't share it with her. And and I'm telling you, oh, it would just get a hold of you and and it would make you want to straighten up and fly right and never, never bobble. Um, something about that. So yeah, that's that the Moabite on your back is one. I will, I will forever, forever remember. And there were others. I remember at the home church, him preaching the tabernacle of David. And, uh, I I remember him pointing out that, you know, David wasn't able to build a tabernacle. Um, Solomon had to do that, but, but that, James comes along in Acts 15 and says that God's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. And I remember your dad talking about that it was a tabernacle of praise. And, and you know, just like faith, worship was one of his candy sticks, I guess we could say. He oh, loved yeah. to preach about worship because he loved to worship. He was a worshiper. And and yeah. he preached that message on the tabernacle of David and preached to us about, you know, that's what the father's seeking right now is those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So those those two messages really st- there are many more. Pray that your flight be not in winter. Now, faith, oh, yes, sir. you know, I yes. mean, there's there's a long list that I could I could call. But but those really stand out to me. Yes, sir. Uh, let me ask you a question. Can you talk about the differences in pastoring today versus 20 years ago? Mm. Yes, I can. Um, because there are differences. There's there's a lot of differences. Um, you know, this is going to sound real simplistic, but but the world is so different today. Uh, you know, I, I remember when when everybody in America, whether they called themselves Christians or not, 
they all had a sense of morality. They they just they yeah. they knew it was innate. They knew what was right and wrong. But but as people come into the church today, um, I'm finding that basic things they really don't understand. You know, I I've actually had people talk to me about the fact that they're just living with their girlfriend or whatever, and right. and they don't have a clue that it's even wrong. Yes. Yes. It, so today we're we're having to really break things down and and teach a worldview that used to be common. It used to be accepted, you know, which I, I heard Elder Westberg, which was one of Brother Davis's friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I heard Elder Westberg talk about, you know, God could add 3000 to the church at Pentecost because those were Orthodox Jews. They knew what God expected. You don't have to have new converts yeah. classes. You know, they just came in. Yeah. No. Yeah. But today, when people come in, there's so much that you have to take the time to teach them. And and this yeah. this can be it, it, it's it's almost as much of a problem for the saints because you've got saints that have been living this life all this time, and yet they can get so impatient in people not just making a turnaround. And, and and in fact, you've probably heard people say, well, well, when I got the Holy Ghost, I I quit doing this overnight. And when I got the Holy yeah. Ghost, I made this change overnight. And I understand, but but probably when they got the Holy Ghost, they knew coming in that those things were wrong. And now we're yes, literally having to teach people that some yes. of these basics are wrong. They don't know it. Yeah. Nobody's ever told them before. So that, to me, is one of the biggest differences. Another thing, when I look back, and boy, you're making me sound like an old man, having to reminisce. And <laughs> <laughs> I well, sound like I'm this old folks. When I was don't a worry kid. About it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in my day, Sonny, you know, that's kind of. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but, you know, there used to be just, again, an innate sense of commitment. That yeah. that people, you know, the old timers, um, they worked forever to build a family homestead and then they stayed there. You know, they just stayed. And and I'm not saying it's wrong to, to move and buy. I'm not saying, but yeah. but that to them, it was a sense of commitment. And now when people come in, there's no real commitment. But, you know, people, yeah. uh, they, they move, they leave, they go, they do things. There's no real just I'm here. I'm, I'm planted. I'm, I'm going to, you know, grow right here. This, this sense of commitment that we used to just have is just yeah. not there. And again, it's something that's having to be taught. And then I guess the, the, the last thing is just all of the challenges of technology are something that today that we're facing that now I'm thankful for some of the technology. And yes. I mean, especially during this time right now, when we can't oh, yes. meet at the church, I am so mm -hmm. thankful that we could do live streams that we can uh, oh, do. Yes, and sir. even like what we're doing right now with this interview, you're in Dallas and I'm in Kansas city and we're carrying on this yes, conversation. Sir. I'm thankful for technology, but technology has presented a very unique set of challenges that that it's it's a world all its own that as a pastor I'm having to to deal with things that I just could not even have imagined 20 years ago. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I'll ask you one. Well, almost we're almost through. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, 
But if you had just a few minutes to spend with the up-and-coming generation, what would you tell them? Well, I, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I think that I would tell them the same thing that I said your dad would tell them. I, yes, I, I really do. You know, there was a prophecy during the Azusa Street Revival. It's it's recorded in a book that I've got in my library that mm-hmm. talked about what would happen to the Pentecostal movement in the last days. And and one of the things that it said was that that the, the Pentecostals would praise a God they no longer pray to. And, you know, I talked about your dad, his prayer life and how he instilled in us this necessity of building a relationship. Praise is wonderful. Praise is glorious. And I I don't like sitting in a dead service. I like worship. I like it to be wild. That's the way I was raised. But but I, I am seeing a lot of people who enjoy the praise side of the relationship without the prayer side. And, and yes, so I think, you know, if I had a few minutes to talk to today's generation, that'd be one thing I'd really stress to them. Develop a prayer life, really learn to get alone with God. And, you know, I, I remember, sister, and, and you'll remember the all night prayer meetings we had. Um, the times we would go and, and we'd be there sometimes taking two hour shifts or sometimes getting there late at night and not leaving until the next morning. And, and even, you know, it was put in us so much and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but, but even at times when the elder didn't call for an all night prayer meeting, I can't tell you how many times your brother and brother McFall and myself would leave whatever we were doing. Maybe we were playing putt-putt on that Friday night or something, but we would leave there and the three of us would go to the church and we would just begin to seek God and we'd spend that night in prayer and not leave until the next morning. And and again, that's not, I'm not trying to build myself up. I'm just saying we, we need that. We need that depth of prayer today. It's yes. somebody said the greatest success in prayer is just do it, do it, yes. <laughs> just develop yes. that relationship in prayer. And then really the other things that, that your dad talked about become a natural outcropping. Once you've got a consistent, strong mm-hmm. prayer life, things like faith, you don't have problem trusting God when you've got that prayer life and that walk with him, faith becomes just a natural part of it. And in fact, even um, Jude talked about building up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And so yeah. that time of prayer builds that faith and and with holiness, separation, you yeah. know, as, as we have that prayer life, it puts something into us that, that uh, I've got to be honest, I think is missing even among some churches that would call themselves conservative because holiness is not just the way we look. It's a spirit. And if we don't get that spirit of holiness, then the way we look is irrelevant. And and that spirit of holiness comes to us by spending time in prayer with a holy God. So, so those three things that, that, that Elder Davis stressed, I think those would be the things I would stress. And then maybe one more that, and again, I don't, I'm sorry to take up all your time. Uh, these are just good questions. These are good questions. Yes, sir. Uh, 
but the other thing that I would say, if I had just a few minutes with the up and coming generation, I, I would say to them, heed the voice of your elders. Oh, you know, goodness. those voices, if, if I could go back, even now, I'm 60 years old, but there are times I wish I could pick up the phone and call Elder Davis and just say, Elder, what do you think about this? What, 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 what do you know? What experiences have you had? How have you dealt with this in the past? The voice, yes, the voices of our elders, the day's going to come way too soon that those voices will be stilled. But their voices are valuable to us. And and it's easy for young people to think, oh, you know, they're 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 out of touch or they're just not relevant to us today. But I'm gonna tell you, if an elder is in touch with God, he is relevant to us today because oh, God yes. is always relevant. And and yes. so don't don't neglect the voice of the elders. You may not understand where they're coming from. You may not understand their perspective, but but listen to the voice of the men who have been down the road before and yes, and sir. weigh their counsel. Give it give it some attention and and listen to what they have to say. It'll help you. It'll help you. Yes, yes sir. I believe that. And lastly, if you wouldn't mind praying over this generation of young ministers before we end here. Yes, ma'am. I would be happy to do that. Lord God of heaven, I pray right now, God, for every young minister. You see the struggles they face, God. And I know the things that I deal with that I've never had to deal with. And I can only imagine if you tarry your coming what they're going to have to face in the years to come. God, they need your grace. They need your strength. They need your power. They need your wisdom, God. And I pray you'd grant it. God, I I don't believe the best days of the church are behind us. I believe your church is going to go out of this world victorious and greater than it's ever been. God, I know it's in the hands of these young men, and I know you've invested in them. You've given them talent. You've given them ability. But, Lord, they need a touch from God that can take that talent and that ability to a whole new level because the arm of flesh is never going to be sufficient. Help them, God, to understand your ways. Help them to cling to you. Help them to have elders in their life that can guide them, that can help them, that can instruct them. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you would grant to us, the elders of this age, that somehow we could be the example that they need. God, I know they've seen a lot of fakes. They've seen a lot of things. But God, help me. Help those of my generation to be real, to be transparent, to pass on to them what Elder Davis and his generation handed to us. I don't want the Pentecost that they get to be less than what I got. Help us, God, 
Give us the touch of God to hand it to them and then let them take it and run with it and build a church that is second to none. God, let them see things that we have only dreamed of. Let them experience a depth of your glory that we've only imagined. God, let it be greater in their hands than it ever was even in ours. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, Brother Regan. I really appreciate your time. This was such a powerful, awesome interview. This pandemic has really put me out of my comfort zone. Yes. Because before, and this is embarrassing, but I've never taught a Bible study myself (laughs) until this pandemic. And one of our new ladies that I've been trying to just mentor, she begged me to teach her during this pandemic. And oh my word, and that's how this uh, Jordan's app, Podbean, came into to being, the Bible 101. He was just teaching, and then he just felt led to do these interviews and have different people's stories about dad. And we didn't realize, but dad will be have been dead 10 years this Sunday. Oh my, I didn't realize Can that either. Can you believe that? May the no. 3rd is when he passed wow. away. Wow. And uh then we start saying this has to be a God thing that we're doing this type of thing. Thank you so much for your interview and your prayer at the end. It was powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a blessed evening. All All right. right. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, I certainly hope you've been blessed by my recollections of a great man of God. As I mentioned yesterday, it's my understanding that there are plans to build a website in his memory. I have also been told that there will be a book forthcoming, and I'll be sure to let you know when those things are available. Before I conclude today's podcast, let me encourage you to listen to our live stream this weekend. Uh, We will be going live Sunday morning at 10 and Sunday evening at 6. Now, under the governor's orders, which actually expire at midnight Sunday night, we can have a maximum of 10 people in the sanctuary. That does not include those who are conducting the service. If you are interested in attending one of our two services on Sunday, please let us know immediately. We'll try to arrange for those who want to attend to be able to do so for one service or the other. Be advised that social distancing and other precautions will be enforced for all who attend. If you do not have health concerns, you're not sick, you're not in a high-risk group, then every saint of God ought to jump at the chance to actually be in a service. Please, saints, don't ever reach the place that you're comfortable just staying at home and listening online. Your heart's desire ought to be to return to the house of God as soon as possible. So, if you'd like for us to find a spot for you among the 10, either Sunday morning or Sunday night, you need to contact us just as soon as possible. 
Also, I want to remind you of our upcoming special Mother's Day service. It will be held on Sunday, May the 10th. We'll be conducting another parking lot service at 2 p.m. that day. And we'll be saying more about that in the upcoming services and the podcasts, so stay tuned. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please let me remind you, we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thank you to everyone who has sent prayer requests to us. And let me remind all of you that you should avail yourself of this special tool. Send your prayer requests to prayer at olathatruth.com. That's prayer at olathatruth.com. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.